Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC Pages. Get ready to hear first-hand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now, your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz. While other kids growing up might have been looking at girly magazines or the latest hot rod magazines, my next guest was waiting by the mailbox for the latest edition of TV Guide. He became an NBC page in the late 80s and went on to live out his boyhood dream of working in the world of television programming. He's worked at such places as the WB Television Network, NBC Universal Emerging Networks, the Weather Channel, Warner Brothers Animation, Sony Pictures Television, and now he is the Senior Manager Scheduling at Sinclair Growths Networks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ken Hamill. Ken Hamill. Great to see you. For a long time. Wow. I don't think I've seen you in like 30 years or something. I don't know. Or how long I'm, has it been? I'm, I'm pretty sure when I would go back to visit New York, I, I know we crossed paths, but that was probably still 20th century. Uh, wow. Okay. You know, we, we have the illusion of social media where we feel like we've, you know, you've, you've encountered people that we haven't, you know, been probably in the same place. Right. Right. That's true. The 90s, yeah. I guess. Back in our day, we didn't have computers. We yeah, did actually. Yeah. They were just. I guess were they just coming out? I don't know. Were they? Uh, it was a long time ago. We had them in the office, but yeah, home would. Have oh, that's true. That's true. Uh... It's amazing. Well, uh, you know, thank you for coming. Um, and right. basically. Right. Um, you know, right off the bat, I'm going to say that, um, you know, it was about a little over a year ago when I heard this, you know, new podcast come out, which was the fly on the wall with David wow. Spade and Dana Carvey. Love it. And, uh, as I was listening to this podcast, I'm and they're making reference to like all these different people that they're, that they're working with. And I'm saying to myself, well, I know that guy. I was there when they were talking about that. And I know this person and I know that person. So I'm listening to these stories. And of course, I, I wound up, you know, listening to it when I went to bed. And I think I was up to like six in the morning listening to like sequentially just all of them. And every podcast they did, um, it just it 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 literally got me so excited and listening to these stories and listening to what they had to say. And I then and and literally then it, it occurred to me. I said I said I said, oh my god, you know the pages actually have probably better stories than some of what they're talking about because we really you know lived sort of in the shadows and yeah. watched what was going on and sort of kept our mouths shut in you know in most cases and really got to see really what goes on behind the scenes. Um, so that, that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast called a page in history. Um, and, uh, I'm going to talk to all these great pages. There's so many folks that have gone on to do amazing things, um, in the world of television. Um, so I figured we'd, we'd, we'd kick some things off and you being the programming maven, um, who literally you were so, you are the guy that like, you were, you were like Papa 
page, I guess. I don't know. Like you knew everything there was about everything. <laughs> and, well, I left to know back then too. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and, and networks and Fox two days a week when we started. Oh, it was amazing. And you had you such a passion. You had such a passion for it. So, yeah. so I guess we'll kick it off. I mean, you know, uh, I guess the first thing is like, what if you had to think of the most memorable thing that you remember from being a page? You know, what what was that like? I mean, the best day, not just being a page. I, I joke sometimes. I think I'm still living in 1989. There's always things to reference it, especially nowadays when you have like all the shows are coming back. You know, Night Court is on. Quantum Leap is on. Um, the best day was the Saturday Night Live 15th anniversary special, and there have been some since and better ones. But this was the first time they attempted a live Sunday night reunion, bringing back everybody from 15 years. It had been a shaky, you know, in those middle years, if they were going to see 15, now they're approaching 50. I'm right. very much looking forward to. I, I They should stop probably having first-time hosts because I don't know how they're going to fit people mm. at this 50th anniversary. But we were there for the first one, and they kind of winged it uh, to some degree. Um, like any of their live shows, because it went long that night. They wound up having to put like a short film in at one point towards the end. They had Robin Williams go out and pad for time, which is something they edited. They don't, you know, you can't see a repeat usually, but on home video, he went out and he just started ad-libbing with the audience. And then he pulled, uh, you know, talk about fly on the wall. Joe Dixo, the stage manager, and got a, uh, a round of applause from the crowd for him and then literally I think counted down to the commercial break because you know it was just and they weren't doing sketches that night like the last time the 40th anniversary they did sketches um you know they did Wayne's World they did Celebrity Jeopardy this was just presenting clips musical performance Prince was one of the musical guests oh wow <laughs> I think you know, I they had <laughs> a shiny Batman was the movie of the year he had mm -hmm. music on the in the movie and they had, oh, I probably have it in the drawer here somewhere. They had a shiny bat mirror that was on the seat of every uh, chair there in 8H in the studio. It never told anybody what to do with it or it was just taken home. I had a handful, a couple went to eBay years ago. Um, and then the SNL 15th anniversary shirt, they got one of those, which later were in the NBC stores. Uh, um, and... So it was like this mammoth two and a half hour event where like everybody, almost everybody came back. The two people, the major people who didn't come back was Eddie, Eddie Murphy didn't come back. Mm -hmm. He gave word midweek. Um, I was working in the programming department, which was a small kind of satellite office there at 30 Rock. Everything was being done in Burbank. But late night was New York. Late night was SNL. Late night was Letterman in those days. And uh dick ebersole who had produced the years when lauren wasn't there and was the programming exec on the show when it started um walked in one day and he's like eddie's not coming i'll, I'll never forget you know talk about fly on the wall wait so know? so let's go so so you were yeah. wait, wait say that again so you were yeah. i was working in the programming department i i had a desk there we had a fax machine and dick ebersole would come in he was at the time producing friday night videos and late, later with Bob Costas, he it was right before he became the head of NBC Sports, which he had done for, for decades. And I had told him when I was introduced, like, you produced some of my favorite SNLs. Eddie Murphy became a star during his run. He had the all-star year that I love. I wish I was there for 
Billy Crystal, Martin Short, uh, Rich Hall, uh, Christopher Guest, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So he came in one day and told the executives, yeah, Eddie's not coming. He's directing this movie, Harlem Nights. And it was in all the promos that Eddie was going to be there. Wow. Uh, by the time the show aired, the credits said Eddie Murphy's Entourage. <laughs> okay. And they had like two or three large guys come out with Mary Tyler Moore um, oh, to kind of represent Eddie as a joke. And as you know, he, he didn't come back for 35 years. The other person that didn't make it was Bill Murray. And then he, I guess, sent word. He was directing the movie Quick Change. Wow. And, you know, who knows, you know, if, you know, Murray showed up by the 25th. Murray's hosted many times and stuff. Uh, but, you know, it was like, oh, that would have been awesome if they were there that day. But we had so many other people. Um, yeah, I think you were standing with me the moment I, I, I remember vividly uh, because we just wanted to be there that whole weekend. Right. Sunday was the day of uh, rehearsals and people showing up uh, before they got their tuxedos on. And the, uh, I guess you would call it the overhang on the ninth floor that we would take the tour groups to see the studio from above. Um, we were there watching as people were going back and forth. And uh, I think you were there with me. Uh, four or five of us, we opened the door for Robin Williams. And he was very shy and quiet. And it was just like, you looked at him like, you know, this is I'm get, It's funny, I'm getting chills because I'm going to tell you something. I don't remember. I, I wonder, I'm no, actually, okay. I literally just got chills for something because because yeah. I'm going to tell you something about Robin Williams. Well, in a second. Greatness. But because I was giving, and, and, and again, you know, it's all, it's all becoming a blur, but yeah. I remember giving a tour overlooking the eighth, the right. eighth floor on nine. And, and yeah. for those that, that, uh, that was listening, yeah, there's basically, if you, if you go to an NBC tour, which is what we did, uh, there's a window that overlooks the eighth floor. Um, and then on the ninth floor is where the audience sits, uh, in sort of a balcony. And then they could also sit on the floor where these like removable seats. So when we gave the tours, we were literally looking out the window with my group and all of a sudden Rob Williams shows up and he yeah. literally did, it must've been like a 10 minute monologue. I mean, he just, wow. he, he literally interrupted my group and was like, oh. and he just did his thing in front of the whole group. I, I mean, I can't even tell you what that was like. Like, like their heads yeah. just exploded and he yeah, was so nice. Bit of that. It was just like one minute of just, you know, graciously opening the door for him. And we're like, yeah, we do this. We, we were telling him, we do this all the time. We have people come in here and we show them the studio and most of the time it's empty. And it was, right. you know, coming out of the summer, the season premiere hadn't happened. So there's nothing to see in June or July. The best day was Thursday because the bands would rehearse. So if you had a tour like at two in the afternoon, you could see Paul Simon or, you know, the Bangles or whoever were the musical guests. And he was like fascinated, like, oh, really? And then like a switch went on in him to performer. You know, I'm, I'm looking at him. Right. He, he book, just like, this is him off drugs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, pages. He goes, not, there's nothing illegal going on here. They're not congressional pages. And it just, I've been you know, remembering that I, I, I started taking notes. I wish I had done that when I was a page. This is the first advice. If you're a page and one of our friends, her, his, her daughter right now is, I said, Keep a journal, take notes, because I, it was years before I tried to collect these stories. I did a, 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 a not quite book, a Kindle single for Amazon 
like 50 pages of what I could remember from those, those years because it was an amazing time. Like at SNL, they had never done that before. They were finally back on their feet successful right. with the Harvey and Hartman and that cast. Right. Where, you know, three years later, it's like, are they going to be canceled? And right. then it got better. Mike Myers got there when we were there. Ben Stiller right. was there for a brief time. And then right after I left was Chris Rock and Chris Farley. Right. Well, it's funny. You, you mentioned so many cool things, which I'll, I'll, I want to yeah, just I touch on a couple of things. No, it's amazing. No, it's, 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 it's blown me, blown me away. So a couple of things. One is I, you know, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, I was just going to touch on a couple of things that, that, that are, again, are really cool. Like Joe Dixo. So mm -hmm. for those that, if, if you go for, if anyone goes back to the earlier episodes, they, you could hear his, his countdown. Sometimes they, I just, yeah. I was watching a repeat and I heard it. They do this every Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Okay. So they day. use his, they use his voice. Five seconds. Mm. And then he does, he cracks his voice and it sounds a little like Bill Murray, but it's, it's Joe Dixo on the floor getting the audience quiet right before the, the cold opening of the show. Right. So, so again, for those listening, um, Basically, Joe Dixo is the stage manager. So he was the guy when we were there that was in charge of running the whole studio. And, you know, like literally, and, and again, most people don't realize people that, around. you know, the show is actually live. People, some people, you know, yeah. in the tour group, they'd, come tour, up to us, they'd say, you know, yeah. so when does Saturday Night Live tape? You know, well, the fact well, is, it was, it's, it's a really live show, uh, which is amazing. So if we, you know, now when you, when you're watching it, you're like, I mean, I live on 34th Street, so, you know, it's right down. I'm like, right now, they're right over, you know, right down the block. So um, so the audience, you know, everyone's nervous. And it's, you know, you could feel the the excitement in the air. And literally. Yeah, they have them up. They have the band playing. When we yeah, were there, Miss Miller would do like a warm up. Yeah, they Dennis Miller would. would sitcom or, you know, production would do. You have somebody warming up the audience. You know, Letterman used to do for his own show. Right, right, we, right. Which we'll talk. We'll, I think we'll, he's, done, he's probably stopped that at CBS. But he uh, yeah, he would actually. We'll, we'll talk about Letterman because again, God, there's so many good stories. So with, yeah. with Joe, so we would wait. You know, he would go. He would he would count down. I guess he would count down from. He go ten. Five. Was it ten? Or, but yeah, it's someone he, he was like one. We'd have that little bit of silence. Yeah, he uh, go you know. he go ten nine eight. You know, then he would go five seconds. Yeah, yep. And I remember the first time I heard it as a page in the studio yeah like the whole audience cracked up then i realized that he does it he did it every single show oh yeah miller did that monologue every week you know yeah it was a funny yeah so 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 tell people about <laughs> that because again people don't realize that that um you know before the show uh the audience comes in they're all sitting down the pages actually let's god there's so many things to talk about um yeah. when when the show starts uh, you know, people are seating. So tell tell us about about the warm up. Tell tell everyone about that. Well, I think every show in that era, because Miller was there for like six years, um, the whole time I was there, uh, he would do his stand up, which you know was you know his, his you know he, the joke would be like you'd have to get a thesaurus to follow. I, I, I literally was just it was um, I literally because yeah. Brian Grossman, which I hope to help have on the show soon. It was like I need the uh, Dennis Miller Dennis Miller to English uh, dictionary yeah, yeah. <laughs> to translate. I mean, one special, stop me before I sub reference again, you know. And then it was topical, so it was like, yeah, I hear these Beatles CDs just came out, you know. I mean, this is the late <laughs> '80s, you know. And he would do that every week. Um, and, and I think he really seemed sick of doing it, to be honest. There were, there were a couple of times I've had on both coasts, uh, and, you know, M Miller, who's brilliant, 
because um, he did Dennis Miller live out here on the, on the West Coast in the 90s. So he did it in CBS while I was working there. I've had elevator encounters where he does not want to be bothered. Oh, yeah. Like people back when we were pages. Yeah. And then uh, years later, and, and he, he's always like, he actually came up. I was in the lobby one time talking about like, you know, the Robin Williams encounter. Um, you know, we're all over the place on Saturday night. There are some people seating the audience. There are some people manning phones. Some of us were down the lobby, which wasn't a lot of fun. You wanted to be up at, at the studio. You wanted to be there at 1 a.m., you know, when the band's playing and escorting the people out. And so somebody was asking me probably for the billionth time, you know, how do I get tickets down the lobby at like, you know, 7.30 on a Saturday night? I said, well, it's a process where in August you have to mail in a, a postcard and then there's a lottery, blah, blah, blah. And out of nowhere, Miller came up behind me and he goes to the guy, he's bullshitting you. Like, yeah, actually, I am. It was hilarious. I wish there were more moments like that because a lot of times, you know, we didn't, you know, weren't really supposed to approach the celebrities or bother them. Right. Some people were more conversational. You know, you know, Letterman, if you saw him out in the wild walking around, you know, you kind of cleared steer, steered clear, you know. Um, and then, you know, there'd be other people. Like, you know, Don Pardo was the announcer in those uh, days. Love Don. Yeah, Don Pardo. I used to have many conversations. I was, you know, yeah, I, I, I used to love hanging out with him. I, more than I would be. Yeah. I was friends. Yeah, I was. I got friendly with Don. Well, I don't want to say friendly, but I yeah. I guess because I was That's there. Funny. But, I, you know, Don Pardo, Fred Facey, who was the voice of NBC well, News. Oh, um, Howard. Yeah, yeah, Howard Rieger did, you know, like, you know, this is uh, the nightly news with Tom Brokaw. Oh, okay. Um, so Howard did that, Fred Facey did that, and Don Pardo did that. Uh turns out Don Pardo went to Emerson, uh, and I'm an Emersonian, oh. uh, which I didn't oh. it was kind of like, oh my god. Everywhere. Yeah. So he was he I, you know, I just could sit and listen to them for hours. Um, so I love those guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, going back to like Letterman, I remember, you know, even you know, when you're in the elevators. I remember getting into the elevator with Letterman once and he had his baseball cap and he was carrying a football and he just didn't talk to anybody. I mean, he was so, I don't want to, I mean, maybe he, he yeah. was kind of shy, um, yeah. but he, he rarely, you know, spoke to folks. People are working. People yeah. are about yeah. to put on a show or they're worried about the guests that night or right. whatever. And I mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like because when you're, you know, a, a person, a fan, and this may be the only time you ever see these people, Right. These people come across people. I mean, working at 30 Rock, especially Christmas season, you feel like you've seen everybody on the planet. Yeah. There are so many people that go through that building. Radio City is next door with the Christmas show. The tree is outside. That place is mobbed. Yeah. So, you know, after a while, we weren't famous. We didn't want to talk to people after a while. <laughs> you know, um, Letterman, one time, it was like a Monday holiday, like a Memorial Day. And their offices were facing like Sixth Avenue on the west side. So they didn't come through the main studio elevators that right. often. But he had to that day because an elevator bank was closed. And there were the guys, you'll remember, who would be in the lobby for autographs and picture signings every day because there'd be Letterman guests and there would be guests at Live at Five, mm. um, the local news show. And one guy went after Letterman as he was going through the, the security and 
the Letterman relented. He signed his name on the guy's book. But this guy had this thing where he had books with caricatures and drawings. And he's looking like, sadly, like, come on, draw something. <laughs> and Dave's like, I- I'm not going to draw Mr. Happy Face for you. You know, and then went off, which I thought was hysterical. It's but funny. It's like, yeah. and can I do my Pardo story quick? Yeah, no, go so for it. Yeah. Pardo, um, you know, he would be doing the, uh, the credits live every every week and so he would be backstage before the show say saturday you know at, you know 11 15 and as pages were kind of standing there the audience is seated we're waiting you know for the show and he's standing next to me and people were talking like oh he, he did like a planters commercial it's like we're talking to him about you know everybody loves a nut <laughs> and he's just standing there and he reaches into his suit pocket and he pulls out a, a damp piece of paper, like I guess the rundown for the show. Mm-hmm. And he said the weirdest thing to me that I've quoted for 30 something years. He looks at me and he goes, somebody poured a drink in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Don Bardo invitation. Yeah, I worked on my part of. Um, he was fantastic. I mean, it, I mean, he was there so many years before and after us. He's a legend. It's funny. In my apartment somewhere, when Don Pardo, well, you know, um, I worked, you know, well, it's funny. Uh, I worked for, for local news uh, right. for WNBC and Don Pardo used to do the announcing for that show. Yeah, also, yeah. you know, he used to say, you know, it's live at five and, you know, and the last time that he appeared on the show, I had him sign the, the script that he read nice. and it's literally behind me somewhere in, in one of my boxes um but he was so nice we a lot of autographs in those days we weren't you know yeah we weren't right but if you're working with the you know yeah it's, it's funny at, at emerson Co- you know at emerson college we um one of my teachers said to me uh you know never to ask for autographs um so literally in the in all the years that we were a page and all the years that i've worked with a million you know famous people um the only autographs i've ever gotten were were um uh, what is it? Uh, Robert Wagner. Okay. Uh, he was on SNL and okay. I was working, I was the key page and I'll, I'll talk about that and let everyone know what that is. But my, I got my mother tickets to sit in the front. She loved heart to heart. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I got her, oh. I got her tickets to the show and I literally placed her in the front seat mm-hmm. right in front of the stage. And I remember meeting him probably in the green room or something. And I had him sign something and he wrote, he wrote, uh, you have a really nice son, uh, Robert Wagner, you know, so that I was the one autograph. Familiar now. Yeah, he, he was really, really nice. And told us all. Yeah. Yeah, he was really, that was really great. Cool. I mean, that we could do stuff. We would get tickets once in a while. I think they would rotate through all the pages and then right. we could have friends and family come. My parents went to the Ted Danson show. Um, I had uh, Letterman tickets where I had friends and family come, my brother and and I remember driving into the city with my friends for the uh, Eric Clapton SNL, the, the Deborah Winger, Eric Clapton, the 1990 show. And I went, got my page uniform on and got ready for work. And I said, let's come here. Okay, we're going up. This is the ninth floor. See this line? And you'd go and people would be wrapped down the hall, around the, you know, by the bathrooms, waiting to get in. Yeah. I said, see these people? Come here. I cut them all the way in front of the line because we had taped seats. It was like, it could be a big shot, you know? 
Gary, right. you don't have to wait here at the back of the line like everyone else. Your seats are waiting there by, you know, whoever's, you know, the, the host's wife, you know, like, you know, Billy Joel was there. Christy Brinkley, you know, would sit in the front row where uh, right. Wagner's daughters, I remember, wow. were sitting uh, like right the overhang where you could kind of lean over like in the very front on the ninth floor. Yeah, let's let's. I don't, it's funny, like everything that you're saying, I could go off for an hour doing, but I, I want to touch. I, I want to touch on the, the the seat. So again, for those listening, um, if you are, if you, to, you know, the general way that you got tickets for SNL, you know, you would send in a postcard during August, and we literally in the page lounge had these milk crates filled with postcards. Yeah. And during and August, we computers. Would, yeah, we'd randomly pick cards out and we'd enter their names in the computer and then we would let them know they have a ticket. Um, however, you know, there's only those only like what, 300 seats in the studio approximately. Yeah. Um, a lot of the those tickets had to go to uh, the friends of the band, friends of the host, uh, NBC executives. So there were times and I remember I'm going to try to get Chris Selger on this podcast. Um, I remember him once telling me that, that, and, and we had GP tickets with general public and, you know, VIP tickets. I remember him telling me one time, like today's show, there's no general public tickets. Like it must've been a big show where like every well, ticket was somebody. There were a couple famous. There were no, because the standbys, remember the standby. Now it's a whole phenomenon. They are on Twitter. They wait outside on Friday nights. Um, we had it where they were, they would come in on the mezzanine. Sometimes they would sleep over and Saturday morning, we oh, would yeah. get the standby tickets and the same thing for Letterman actually get standby for that too. And then they would come back and wait and wait and wait if there were empty seats, you know, for the, the live show. And then there was the, the rehearsal show at eight o'clock. Right. Um, but there were some, you know, Rob Lowe hosted, there were no extra seats that night. You know, right. People are really, you know, big first time hosts or major stars. So, so I'm going to, well, when I'm going to touch on the, the tape and hold and then the, the, mm -hmm. the, um, the, uh, uh, standbys. Yeah. So, so the, so for those that don't know, you know, if you, if you were a celebrity or you knew somebody, um, in the center of the, uh, in the up, generally upstairs, we would have what's called tape and hold. So if you were somebody famous in this, in the good seats, right in the center, we would physically take um, duct tape or, or masking tape, masking tape and write, you know, a name yeah. on it. And literally, though, yeah, yeah, those those well, seats were tape, taped and hold held. Now, what's interesting is this is we we as pages, we would fill the audience up until 1120 ish yeah. somewhere because the show is going live at 1130 or 1135, depending on what year it was. I don't know. Quote is. And it's always been 11.30. Now it's, I think it's 11.29 and 30 seconds. But Lauren Michaels' quote is, it's not because the show is ready. It's because it's 11.30. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. And which, which ironically, this podcast, the same thing. There weren't even people doing Lauren impressions back then. Right. Which actually, <laughs> if, you listen to of, a, if you listen to The Fly on the Wall. They, this is before Dr. Amazing. Evil. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So in any case, so at 11, 20, let's say 2025, 20, yeah. most of those seats may not be filled, but the show has to be, has to go live and there can no, there can no longer be in the green room or other places. Yeah, you know, exactly. They could be in the green room. Guests, you know, their friends and agents or whoever. 
Right. They could be elsewhere. Got really good seats. Well, right. So here we have these these tape and hold seats, and at some point, one somebody made the call to fill those seats. So the pages, and this is it, it actually brings a tear to my eye because the pages were so good at um at uh like 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 the Marines, you know, they would they would call downstairs and say, send me up, you know, right. five standbys. That's because right. there were They'll five seats. Up so literally it could be 1120. And the fact is that that um that we had to get we had to get the people that had slept outside overnight in the elevator up to the eighth floor, right. up to the ninth floor, and get them seated within like a minute. Yeah. And then they and then literally they would say, Okay, we need two more. So then they yeah. would call downstairs and say, oh, send me two more. So now it's right. like 1127 yeah. and we're literally like, go, 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 you know, and bringing them in the, in, into the, uh, into the uh, elevator, bringing them up to yeah. nine, getting them seated. And just at, at the last moment, you know, pulling all the tape and every seat had to be filled um, to the point where uh, again, it was extraordinary. And, you know, in the 30 years where I've worked in a, you know, a million different places, it's amazing. Um, uh, it's you know the the intense precision at which the staff for the shows and the pages worked. Yeah, I've never seen it since, and it it yeah. drives me nuts when I've gone to other places and seen sort of a mismanagement of the line or the way that things are done. It kills me. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's that's true because we wouldn't have them in. They'd be in the building, but they wouldn't be in the offices past security unless there was a chance of them getting seated. So we they would still be waiting down there in the lobby. That's a good point. Right. I just had to fix my uh, my 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 lighting crew just messed up a light, so I just fixed it. I remember, you know, the fifteenth anniversary was all invited guests as they've been since then for anniversary shows. Right. Um, and we each had a section. I think I still have my list. I didn't have any big name stars on there. I had the future head of the WB network, which is ironic. Oh, who's that? Um, Jamie Kellner. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. And then I think I had Mary Alice Williams, who is the local news or or yeah, uh, actually, she Mary Alice the news break during the SNL 15th anniversary, if I recall. Wow. So, but we had everybody in tuxes to get them organized, which was a lot. And I remember. Down the opening of 15th anniversary show is down on the eighth floor while celebrities are hanging out and they, they take the camera, you know, to like Tom Hanks and Billy Crystal and Diane Aykroyd. They were doing, and so they went live and we were running up and down between eight and nine. I think I just clipped blocking the shot of the opening of the show, <laughs> running past to go up to the ninth floor. Um, and then if you see the opening is Chevy Chase with a uh, uh, he comes from Lauren's office with a bucket of popcorn. This I, I, sadly this is not online. Well, some of the clips might be online, but you'd have to get like a DVD to actually see the show. Now it's not like a regular show. Wow. But he goes through there. He actually trips and dumps the popcorn on Donald Trump's head. You want to talk about yeah. you know what year nineteen eighty nine was? We wow. had Trump in there and we had O.J. Simpson in there the same night. Right. Um, and then uh, you can see the pages standing. There was like six of us uh, behind Chevy as he walked his way through the audience. Wow. And that was exciting going home that night and rewinding the tape. And it's like, oh, whose hands are, are, are there clapping 
you know, at right. the bottom of the screen. You know, that's me, you know, to take your title, you know, in part of history. Right. It, 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 it's, God, like I said, there's so many things. Um, uh, so I, I was there. a page. Yeah, I, you know, um, again, for those listening, um, when you're a page, the whole, you know, the point is pages don't want to give, you know, our main goal was to give tours. You know, so we our job was to learn the history of NBC and everything yeah. about it and give tours. That's was really our main goal. That was so intimidating. Oh, it was terrible. I studied like I I I I like studied very like 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 my life depended on it yeah. to take that test. Um, it was you insane. Would see the pages you'd go on the tours. And I, you know, I started doing that. I fell in love with, you know, the building and the tours. I had a, a high school trip where we took the tour and mm. it's like, there's the Gumby costume. And then when we were, uh, became pages, you'd follow the older pages, the established pages and see how they did the tour. And then, like you said, you right. have these things to study about Arturo Toscanini and, uh, you know, the Van Gogh, uh, you know, mobile unit. And right. it's like, how am I going to do this by myself? And, yeah. and talk to 50 people talk about yeah. you know public speaking and cram them in an elevator yeah you know and go to the different floors you would go up and down you know to different four, four different right floors. we would find out and we'd the, find the out that day every day yeah we'd find out that day what studios were open so they'd say letterman's open today saturday right. lives Those open today uh Costas is open like what am i going to talk to these people right about? so sometimes I, they'd be shooting they'd be like oh by the way you have nothing to go to yeah that was um, the worst you know but like i said every time it's funny i i need to make a list because you keep on mentioning yeah. these things um uh i remember it's yeah it's <laughs> um uh something just popped in my head i remember yeah. on one sh well on one floor i guess the fifth floor um howard stern's uh his audio booth yeah when you walked out of that elevator yeah the booth that he used was there when we were there. And yeah. I, I know every inch I used to, you know, in future podcasts, I guess I'll talk about all this stuff, but I used to go underground um, to the, you know, cause all the buildings are connected underground, which most the people conference. don't know. So well, like under, under where, you know, like to, you, you could, I, I'm assuming, you know, this. like, you could go in the 50th garage, right? Drive a celebrity could take a car into the 50th oh, you got to garage. Go the, the real catacombs. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Flynn? So oh, I didn't get that lucky. Yeah, right. So when I was, a, so again, wow. when we were when we were pages, you you apply to give tours. That's the goal. But then there are things called assignments. So yeah. the assignments are are like mini jobs that They're pages like can apply to department. to right to work in a particular department. So you got you worked in the programming department. Right. Yeah. I had applied for Saturday Night Live and I had gotten yeah. that page. Uh, oh, you did? I, so, I like for years, I'm like, I probably should have done that. I didn't live in the city. It would have been tough. I was commuting from upstate <clears> for an hour and a half a day. But boy, you know, that that assignment. It was. Yeah, it was killer. And I I was lucky enough and I'm I'm so honored to it. But I was the key page for the eighth floor. So I kind of ran. I was like the one in charge like of like a kind of, of the eighth floor. Yeah. And actually Dave Schiff, which will also be a guest on the show at some point, he went on to write for the 70s show and yeah. do an doing a ton of amazing things. 
Um, so anyway, so when I was on the eighth floor, I would have to go uh, down. You take the elevator down underneath 30 Rock. And wow. I would get like, like, I remember getting Steve Martin and wow. literally just bringing him up through these secret elevators into the yeah. building. Yeah. I remember, and actually Brian Grossman, uh, when he's on, it's going to be crazy. But um, Gene Rayburn, I was carrying Gene Rayburn's pants uh, going, going in the elevator. Have an episode title. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, so... It was it was just amazing to sort of you know so again going underneath <laughs> the 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 building you can His access pants were blank right it was so yeah. oh, it was so it was funny. the match game yeah the match game exactly um, but in any case it was just NBC page he he was yeah yeah, yeah. A, and again Regis he won't be, and he won't be coming on the podcast though I don't think no he won't no. um but um but and I'll just you, you mentioned Letterman during Letterman's yeah. show. About you had mentioned um, some of these things you you just quick, quickly touched on. I remember during one of the shows, Letterman. Well, first of all, we got to work the Letterman shows. So again, the you know, and I was a huge fan. My brother and I used yeah. to listen or watch. We were like, "Hey, you want to watch Letterman tonight?" And this was before you know anybody knew. You know, I was like, because we we loved the fact that he would dare to be different and do all these crazy yeah. things. Yeah. So the first time I was in the studio working it my head could have exploded. I mean, it yeah. was just real when they, when they went, you know, when, when the, when the music kicked in the band. Yeah. And he's got know. all the makeup on and he looks, he was almost two dimensional. He was so tall and skinny. Yeah. And then, you know, I think he may have had that, the makeup napkin. Yeah. And you just look at him like, Oh my God. And Paul Schaefer's right there. And yeah. It, it, being yeah. in that studio was insane. And then when they, when they announced, they they had a um they had a warm up person I guess but then Lenneman came out yeah like thirty seconds before right. the show started Bill so Wendell, I guess he, the announcer was yeah Bill Wendell right so I yeah. guess he didn't have to really talk to anybody he just came out and he's like any questions and he asked a couple of questions yeah. but I remember once he did he did the show and I remember and again this is something Grossman and I talked about he wrote he he went on the he had a pencil in his hand I guess from one of the ones that he threw through the window and yeah. I remember he, he wrote. He, he was walking backstage, but he wrote something on the set. Like he just wrote something. Uh -huh. And after the show, I went down and looked at what he wrote and he wrote, he wrote, bite me. <laughs> I don't know. It was <laughs> so random, but it was just like these crazy things. Our playground. It was, it was a, um, three in the morning. That's where you we were going to go. The door was open. We were sitting at Dave's. Right. Desk. So let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the fact that, um, I remember, we would on a Saturday night. Well, again, because yeah. I was the page, the key page. If you worked um, during the day and worked the, the SNL, that was a long day at night. And Marcy Klein, God bless her. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she'll be. Maybe she'll come on the show, even though she wasn't a page. Just I just heard her. Wall. Yeah, she was. I just heard her thing. She was the That's one awesome. that hired she me. Just started when you were there. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. I didn't realize after hearing it. I'm like, I almost got in huge trouble. Can I sidetrack a yeah. second with her? Yeah. Um, as maybe a, a, a confession apology. <laughs> so we bring the audience in, or maybe it was the tour groups, SNL, and these two guys were coming down the hall on the ninth floor and they noticed Marcy. And they're like, oh, you know, look at that, you know, beautiful girl. And I said, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's Calvin Klein's daughter. And then I went about to go, you know, do my duties and... I guess they said something to her. Oh. 
And uh, she went to the key page and said, how do they know who I am? This, you know, there's, there's times where it's like, you know, and it didn't get back to me. And fortunately, the key page had the foresight of saying, oh, Marcy, everybody knows who you are. Okay, good. And it was okay. But it's like, there are things where it's just like, oh, that, that, that could have been some trouble. She, yeah, she was, she was very nice. And she had hired yeah. me to, to work the, the parties. So again, oh, okay. we'll, we'll sort of, oh, we'll just talk yeah. much on that. So talk about working the party door. Yeah. She had asked Going me, parties. right. So I worked. So not only was I working on the eighth floor, but I, I worked the door at the parties. Yeah. So I, I did a couple of those. Yeah. So like you'd stand yeah. at the door and I remember oh. one, like I remember, and it sounds so silly, but yeah. one of my favorite, uh, my favorite movies and my favorite people was Christopher Reeve. Oh God. And he be jealous right now. He went to the party and oh. I remember opening the door. I mean, I'm going to get tears doing this. Like, I, I literally opened open. the door for him. And yeah. again, I, I don't even know how words can express. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Like I, I, and I, I'm, you know, I'm sure I went back and, you know, cause I tell my parents all the time, you know, like I, I opened the door for Christopher Reeve, whatever, but but even what was so cool about those parties, um, do you remember Nice Guys Limousine? We'll give them a little plug. <laughs> no, I mean, they would yeah. have the limos take take the people from yeah. 30 so, Rocks. Because the party would be a different restaurant or bar every week. Right. So Marcy would 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 secretly book a restaurant yeah. and a restaurant that had two separate um, areas, yeah. one for yeah. the cast and crew and one yeah, for yeah. everybody else. And there was, there's always some kind of division yeah, where you could go. So when the show was over as the key page, I would be responsible for getting the talent from 30 Rock to the party. So nice guys, limousines, downstairs, wow. we had all the limos ready. I should be interviewing you. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I said I was sorry. We have so many good I stories. I bridging up these memories. And these, you know, so they would awesome. come down and, the, and we would put all these famous folks in the limo. And what was so funny is that I, um, you know, like it was, it was, a, it was, it was very funny because if there were any girls <laughs> or such that we, you know, I'd be like, you want to go to the cast party? And we'd oh. get into the limo and I, and I, like almost every week I, I would take a bunch of folks in the limousine to the cast party and we'd go in and again, it's a once in a lifetime experience. And I, you, I wish there were like video of our lives from that because so many people who went on to things like I knew who Conan was then. Conan was the tall right. red haired guy. He was a writer yep. on the show. Yep. But Bob Odenkirk was there then. Yep. Um, you know, wow. all kinds of different writers and producers who went on to things and and you know it was well, just oh. you mentioned you mentioned Conan again. Um yeah. you know, we used to sit at the page desk, which Joe DeTulio, I'll give him a shout out. Joe DeTulio, which I hope to have on the show as well. Joe DeTulio was a page. He is now the art director for SNL and he builds all the sets. I don't know. Wow. You know that? Do you know that? I mean, no, I didn't. Yeah. He literally builds. Oh my God. So wow. Joe, yeah. So Joe for the past like 30 years has literally built the sets for SNL. He, and he works with the, there's like two or three other designers and I've, you know, you know, he's taken me like I've gone to some of it, like some of the storage places where there's, there's crap that he has to get rid of. 
and he, you know, he goes to um, Stiegelbacher, Stiegelbacher, Stiegelmeyer, whatever the hell in yeah, Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. Where he yeah, I um, so Joe, yeah, so Joe is, was, you know, um, uh, which is amazing. So he builds all the sets, and it's uh, and it's crazy. Um, you know, but, a couple of years ago, I want to say maybe five or seven years ago in Manhattan, they had the SNL Experience. Yes, yes, which he built. So you could, oh, wow. He did that. He did the sets and from like the Wayne's world and it had, you know, February 89 on the back of it. Well, uh, he told me that story actually. He, yeah. uh, and again, I'll have to get him on here. Maybe, you know, yeah. but he told me he built that wow. the Wayne's world set, but it wasn't really the original set. I don't, I don't, okay. if my recollection, he basically had to recreate stuff. So he's like, well, I got some paneling and I got some this and I got some that. Yeah, yeah, it was you very, know, it was you oh, know, that's five minutes of a show one time, right? The but show. the reality yeah. of it is, those yeah. the the set that he built, even if it was a recreation, some of those were recreated, um, were still built at the studio and right. the, in the facility out in Brooklyn where right. they would bring those sets in. So it was still wow. part of the same lineage, I guess, in the same place. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we didn't even have we didn't have we had cameras once in a blue moon, we didn't have phones to take pictures of stuff. Yeah, I no. had a picture, I have some pictures. I think uh, I had a couple at SNL, and then I brought a camera one day, and we gathered a group of us on the stage. And John Lovitz was off to the side, and he wandered into the picture. Really? And this is horrible. Took the picture, but back in those days, if you're an idiot like I was, and you accidentally opened the back and exposed the film, the pictures are gone forever. <laughs> I wish I had that picture. Oh, that's funny. And actually, I'll I'll let people know that on the our website, a page in history TV, uh, we have photos of pages, actually pages from all over the world, not a world, from from the West Coast and the East Coast are sending in photos uh of them. So on the cover, nice. I think on the on the cover of the website is a it's picture like of you. Pages. Yeah, it's a picture of you and Peter Caracella sitting on Letterman's desk. There's yeah. you know doing the covers off and you know quickly and three in the morning and, and, and take the pictures right it, it was weird because you know you talk about the west coast too the big thing that that turned out for me and i've been out here now over 30 years in, in la um i came out for a week uh to try to get a job and it didn't happen but i had a, a load of interviews that week with executives and i got to hang out in the west coast page lounge Mm. So it was like the mirror universe. Wow. Where, you know, it was the same kind of, you know, we, we used to call it like, you know, college with the stars. It was like, <laughs> it was so, we, I mean, we're still in touch with each other all these years later, you know, right. especially thanks to social media. And then you go across the country and I had like a home base because I had to go to meetings and interviews and, and I needed some downtime. So I was in the Page Lounge West Coast where wow. the LA Law scripts were sitting on the table instead of the stuff that we would have on our tables and stuff. Right. Actually, um, I'm going to tell you, I got, I got it with, with LA Law. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Dysart went mm -hmm. to Emerson. God bless Emerson. So yeah. I don't know, maybe there's a cross, but he brought us to the set of LA Law. Oh. And we were literally, it was an Emerson experience and we met like the world. And we went into the set, and I, my mother again was number one LA Law fan, and I remember we're we're in the set, but I never really watched the show. I was, you know, I wasn't really into it. Yeah, no, I love it. It was so realistic, 
I'm yeah. walking, I'm literally walking around. I'm going, it's is this awesome. an office? Like what, yeah. like, what is this? But we remember walking down the sets and like walking into the elevator and then you look and there's no ceiling and the doors just get pushed in the water fountain. Nothing's hooked up. And um, all of the, like we were, we were literally sitting at their desks with all of the stuff. And I'm, and I'm saying wow. to myself, and this is all fake. I mean, it, it looked yeah. real and it was all yeah. fake. So what those guys do. I mean, oh, it was I, amazing. very similar, the same Steven Bochco show years later, uh, another one, NYPD blue. I got to visit the set and it's like, you're in a police headquarters and you know the weird thing is yeah you have stairs but they don't go anywhere because everything is one level <laughs> and the day was over and i'm like all right well thank you this was fantastic um even though dennis franz wasn't there that day i'm gonna go grab my jacket downstairs and they're like what are you talking about well i left my jacket over by uh the front desk you know the lobby of the police headquarters and there was no downstairs it was across you know the studio wow. on the same floor but you have that illusion in your head right. Wow. That, you know, it's different floors, right? Stairs, or you just, you know, thinking like I was, but wow, no, it, it really, it's it, the, the experience of being a page and doing those things were, it literally was the best job of my life. I mean, I still, you know, here it is it. 30 it, years later, we're still talking about it. it. Spoiled. Um, yeah, it was it's really spoiled for life. I've oh, had some great jobs since, but, right? So, I mean, yeah, so know, tell us social component alone. Yeah, you know, we had fifty of us. I think it was. Yeah, People there was. Would, you know, go and it would and rotate up the ranks because it was yeah. months program. Right, the fastest eighteen months of my life. Yeah, where it's like you get there and it's like, oh, 1990, That's a long time from now. And then before you know it, it's just like, I still got to get a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just you know being there with the shows and the offices and the time, you know, NBC. You, you can't even understand it now. There's nothing that big in television uh you know we had three networks fox was new and it was number one and we were there at a time where there was a very competitive streak going where they wound up being number one for like 53 or 54 weeks in a row and i have somewhere we all in the company got a card a, a thank you card with a little number one peacock pin yeah and they i started working for the people at that time where you know, I learned how they have to work the numbers of, all right, how many ratings points are we gonna be? What do we need to do on Thursday or what to, to be number one for one more week? Because right. it would go back and forth, but they had the big shows back then. They had you know the Thursday lineup with Cheers and Family Ties and LA Law and Alf and Matlock and Golden Girls. And, and so it was a really, you know, it was a view from the top. And, um, you, know, it, it, you know, now, you know, it, it's such a fraction. I mean, back then, 30 million people would be watching a show on a Thursday night. Yeah. You know, now we're working, you know, for you know, cable or I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, digital channels where, you know, it's the numbers are like in the thousands or in the streaming where, you know, they kind of can literally keep count of how many people watch things. Right. Um, you know, it was, it was a really amazing time to be there. I mean, you know, it would always have been amazing time to be at 30 rock. There's never a bad time. I love going back to visit, you know, being a page right now, you know, SNL and, you know, everything that's going on there now, um, you know, they have, you know, they have the tonight show there now, 
Right. You know, which is amazing. I was here with Johnny yeah. Carson. You know, I got right. to go to a couple of Carson shows. Um, you know, it's always been great, but at that time they were unbeatable. SNL was on the rise. Letterman was a superstar, and you had people. You know, Sam Kinison would be on Letterman one week, or mm -hmm. you know, some rock star. You know, Jay Leno was you know coming back every few weeks and the guest host out on Carson, where you know eventually he got the Tonight Show. You know, it was just an amazing you know era where you know a few years later. You know, things were a little shakier. SNL at one point, you know, was like, you know, are, you know, we're going to be able to keep continuing and you know, now, well, 50 years, but, you know, Letterman left after, you know, we were there, um, you know, and then they remodeled the place. The commissary isn't where it used to be and right. the stage right. area, you know, I, it was great. A few years ago, I was in the building visiting and I saw a door that said Page Lounge and I oh. went in with my oldest son. And, and it was like, they had no re I was like some stranger, but they're like, oh, I used to be a page and I were, and they were like so gracious. Oh, really? Oh, wow. you know, it was so sweet. And my son wow. got to see, you know, I don't know if, you know, my boys and my daughter someday will want to be pages, but you know, they were there probably doing the ticket requests and, and the stuff. It's like, oh yeah, we used to do that. The phone number's still the same. And, wow. and, and then on the way out, I'm like, oh, by the way, my name is Ken. I, I was a Kenneth the Page before there was a Kenneth was a the Ken Page. Right, which is really you know, funny too. Yep, yep. And my name became part of, you know, an NBC show, which was like, you know, right. am I making this up? <laughs> that is, so, it, like I said, it's it's mind-blowing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. 30 Rock, there's nothing like it. You know, being a page, there was nothing like it. Um, there's so many things. And it's funny, you just mentioned that pin. I swear to God, I think I have that also in the next room. You got one? I have that number one pin. It was Bob yeah. Wright. Bob Wright. We all got. Them. Yeah, Bob Wright gave gave uh, you know gave everybody a number one pin when we were we, it was like right fifty nine. It was like fifty nine weeks at number one or some yeah. crazy number. Um, and actually, it's funny. I'm again in no apparently order. I remember when Conan. Um, when Conan was doing, when Conan took over before he went live, um, they were doing test shows. Right. So did you, I, I basically, I remember going to one of those test shows and right behind me was Bob Wright and I guess Suzanne, which was his wife. Wife, yeah. And I was very, uh, I'm very, I'm very like, I was all over the place and I literally had her like tap me on the shoulder and she's like, hi, David, how are you? And she was somehow she knew who I was, which was amazing. Yeah. And I remember watching those test shows and I remember saying, we're in trouble. <laughs> um, do you remember well, that when Conan like that. Yeah. took yeah. over, he started doing test shows. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. If you, do you remember like it was, well, it was really, after, I'd already been out here. I was actually on the other side. I was actually working at CBS when Letterman was the new show um, and Chevy Chase was coming up against it. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, and, and Letterman, you know, became like, a CBS sensation in a, in a place where they had no late night show before that. Right. Uh, but Conan back at NBC, you know, filling the shoes, Letterman had done the show for about 11 years. They, I, I you know, remember they would get renewed, like you know, sometimes 13 weeks at a time. He wasn't a host before, right. but it was like a kind of, a, you know, more of an experimental, you know, different kind of comedy bits. And then, you know, it's always hard for new shows. to. Yeah. He was trying to find his footing, you know? Yeah. Brain, yeah. So. It took, Took a while. I mean, all these shows, you know, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel now just hit 20 years. 
and oh God. there was an wow. I know he's the the elder now you wow. know um it takes a long time I mean Letterman as as hot as he was in the early years you know if you can see some of the early shows uh there's a guy uh Don Giller who's recorded every show and has montages on YouTube that are fantastic oh wow early shows they were getting like brother Theodore or right. you know somebody who fixes thing totally random which actually people i love it was so funny and i remember i read an article about um i guess his the the executive producer she said we would i forget what the what they what they it was like we would do anything that we could that was different like any crazy idea we had we just did it yes do it petrix and stuff and and it's time yeah all of those crazy things that the velcro Turning the camera upside down uh, yeah. during the show—I mean, just just insane things. Yeah, literally has has affected me um, yeah. in my Nobody life, uh, and you know, so so all of those, you we know, all, all of those smart things... asses because of him, right? And not us, you know, you know, regular folk. I mean, so many comedians were influenced by that show. Yeah, and so Conan and all the late night shows that followed. Right. I know Jimmy Kimmel when when uh, Letterman's on Kimmel. I mean, he like he literally starts drooling uh, when he does, yeah. you know. And Kimmel, it's funny when Kimmel came out. Um, when when they all went off the air, I was looking for someone new, and I was like, well, let me, let me give Kimmel a try. And I remember watching it, and I was like, mm, okay, let me. And and now I really, you know, he, I love him. I think he's he does a great job. So uh, big fan. He's carried the torch. He had Letterman yeah. on last week. Yeah, I know it was really video. that was amazing. Yeah, it uh, he gets he gets carried away. First time now here. So okay, so um, I guess we'll wrap up shortly. Was there any other things? I know you had mentioned your 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 book for Kindle. Um, tell us more yeah. about that because I I I've been reading it and it's fascinating. So just tell people a little bit more if they want to hear about more of that. Sure. Yeah. No, about ten years ago, I just just saw the some some notes but 10 years ago i decided to start writing these stories down and it was at the beginning of uh you know all, all the content that's out there with podcasts and kindle and i there's actually a, a guy who uh was writing on letter on on seinfeld yeah, yeah, seinfeld there's another one that would go through the halls in 1989 as a letterman yeah. guest you know yeah. little yep um and so I, I, I asked him about, he did a book that was selling on, on Kindle of stories of what it was like to be a Seinfeld writer. Mm. And so I put together, you know, it's self-published as, as people do now, stories, uh, it's called Flashback Episodes, uh, you know, pages of, a, 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 I made it too long, the Kenneth the Page at the Real Life 30 Rock. Oh. And I start off with The Greatest Day, you know, the SNL, and you know, I keep coming back to it. You know, people like, you know, you, you don't know how good it is until it's right. over. We knew, but it was yeah. going too fast. And I walked up to that building that day and it was like probably noon because I wanted to be there all day. I wanted yeah. to watch the celebrities come in and them rehearsing and Prince and, you know, the musical guests and everything. So it's, it's a compilation of, you know, what I could remember and, you know, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, I mean, you spend, you know, seven days a week sometimes, right, yeah. David? We were there sometimes seven days a week. You'd have an assignment during the week, and then you would do tours on the weekend. You had SNL. You'd, you'd work in an office till five o'clock and then work Letterman. Um, and we loved it. You know, we lived there. We would sleep in the lounges. 
Yeah, people. Yeah, people have these couches, and you go to SNL in a party, and you get back at three in the morning. Sometimes you have to work nine in the morning on a Sunday. Right. You crash there. We have a shower and a locker room for our beautiful page uniforms, and um, it's just a lot of story of that, and then getting started. You know, like I was mentioning, how you know wonderfully successful they were at the time. You know, as a fan growing up and and watching you know, Hill Street Blues and Letterman and these shows and learning there are people who do these jobs. There are right. people who, you know, decide we're going to put all these shows together on Thursday night and, you know, have a, a, a night where people will sit for three hours without turning the channel. Right. Um, and so in New York, I was fortunate to get one of the three-month assignments that kind of got me going in my career where they, you know, it was a small department. We had late night. You, you worked for like three or four or five people, often senior executives, who uh, not only had to decide where things go, but you learned the things about uh, the budgets and the ratings. And this show isn't working. Uh, we spent so much, you know, millions on a movie. Let's plug that in on Friday night so that, you know, we can get more advertising money that day. Things that now, especially, you know, it's a tough time right now in the, in the television you know, linear yeah. cable channels are, are you know, sometimes just running one show all day long. Right. You, um, you, you turn on the cable and it's the same yeah. show all day long. And I'm like, really? Joker is all day long on True TV or old reruns. It's everything that you can just try to grab people because, you know, obviously people cutting the cord and streaming. And then you got the whole complicated streaming thing where shows are moving from one service to another. And I can watch New Girl on Netflix, but in April it's moving to... Hulu, and it's also going to be on Peacock. And right. back then it was three channels. Right. And fortunately, we were at the big one. And to my surprise, working there, and it was an office job. It was stressful. It was copy machines that jammed up. It was standing over and compiling uh, press kits and making sure everybody in the office got their daily press kit every day, nine in the morning when they started their day. There was no internet. <laughs> Right. It was, you know, literally, you know, clip things from the daily news about your shows that people right. read. And they talked to other networks. I yeah. couldn't believe that. The the guy I worked for in scheduling, his job was Intel, basically. And when it was official at CBS and ABC, he would be on the phone with them. All right. They've booked this movie on Sunday, March 14th at nine o'clock. We're going to put that on. On They called them scheduling squares. It was basically a big calendar where you looked at what the three networks were doing and and trying to outdo and counter program and just okay. i love it because it's, it's, a, it's a big puzzle right you right. know they have you know back then the big thing was you know cosby was thursday at eight fox is like well we've got this huge show called the simpsons and everybody puts their movie ads on thursday nights and makes a lot of money we're gonna put the simpsons on thursdays at eight right you know so that's you know what, what got me going and then i learned that um, some of the pages, some who had preceded me in that department, would go out to the West Coast, which is where most of the business was, um, and set up interviews. So I sent out, back then it was typing letters, inter-officing them in envelopes with a peacock on them, and making phone calls and hearing back. And I got to meet with the head of the network, Brandon Tartikoff, who was the head of entertainment, who was legendary wow. of of the hit shows he, you know, put on the air. And then, you know, 
Rick Ludwin, who was the late night executive, I sat in his office as they were doing the four Seinfeld episodes at that time. He took money out of his budget and canceled, they canceled a Bob Hope special so that Seinfeld could have a four episode first season. Mm. And I'm like, I love the pilot. My supervisor used to work with Larry David. He calls the office. I feel like I'm making this up when I say <laughs> they were working on the pilot. And wow. I have the press release, you know, Bill, uh, Michael Richards as Kessler. No, they changed it or Hoffman there. Wow. And um, so I got to meet in Burbank for a week with all these people. It didn't result in a job. And it was constantly like keeping an eye on job postings things that would be put on a board with a thumbtack in New York and Burbank. That's right, I remember that. That's how, how we got information. And that's the thing that you started to learn. You had to make relationships. You had to have people. And sometimes it was just, I felt like I would, you know, Rick Ludwin would come into New York. He actually beat me back one, you know, I, I met him in his office in Burbank. And then that Saturday night, I came back, I get tapped on the shoulder and he's at SNL. And he's like, hi, Ken, how are you doing? And every time he came back to New York, hi, uh, Mr. Ludwin, have you heard of any jobs? Have you heard of any jobs there? Or is there any? And, you know, it was really hard, especially, you know, when you don't live out here, you don't have an apartment out here. I finally just left my job. I worked at HBO for a year after being paid and, and set up some meetings and I'm just going to do it. I took the suitcase. I threw a typewriter in it. I brought a VCR in a box which is how we recorded and saved TV shows back then. Yep. And it took a long time. And eventually you start meeting people at CBS and you know, it was there for years. And then the WB network. Um, and then eventually it took me 16 years. I got back to NBC and we were launching new cable channels, all of which don't exist anymore. Uh, because back then you could start a cable channel and now they're not as profitable. Yeah. We had a hard channel, we had a sleuth channel and it was living the dream and it was working in Burbank. I wasn't on the lot, but we had a building next to the lot and, uh, we had Bravo and some of the other cable channels. My wife was working down the hall at Bravo. It was like a sitcom. And then we would walk over to the lot and Jay Leno would have like a musical guest out you know, in the parking lot. It's like, I'll, I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to go see Coldplay wow. um, or, you know, Sheryl Crow and, and then, you know, stand in line and Seinfeld's on tonight. Uh, if, if, if you wait in line afterwards, he'll sign or he'll take pictures. By then we had phones. This was the mid 2000s. Oh, okay. um, my main thing is if you're looking to get in and if you're in, Try to stay in any way you can. My biggest regret, I tried towards the end of like, there might be a job in the HR department at 30 Rock. I tried so much to do the career job and you don't want to go too far off course that you're seen as, well, you work in that department. You're going to have a hard time getting into the other area. You're like a publicity person or you're a news person, but try to keep your foot in there. Right. And then you get to see, you get to work with the people, you get to see, you know, somebody just left that desk. There's an opening there. And that's what happened to me at, at CBS a couple times. Um, and then over the years, you know, the resume very rarely has, has been put away in the drawer. You know, it's, it's, there's not a lot of people. I know you've bounced around over the years and doing, you know, 
projects that you've you've uh, engineered. Not a lot of people who've worked at the same place many years in a row. You yeah, know, layoffs are a big right, part right. of this business. It's brutal. Yeah, the the I think um, nowadays a lot of the I, I think it's even harder than ever to get a job doing these types of things. And it's weird because there should be more than ever. There's more right, shows they, than ever. There's right, more networks than ever. Exactly. So I don't know where, where they're going. Free back then. Right. So we're trying to get jobs. There's three places to go in HBO. Right. It seems right. It's better not to know how hard it would be. Right. And I think that that some of the folks that want to get into the industry um, <clears throat> don't really, you know, it's it's still tough. It you know it's tough as ever to get in. But to your point, you know, just being there in the building, um, and it's funny because I remember even when I was at Thirty Rock, when I was a page. I would walk around and I and I heard through the grapevine that somebody was leaving the assistant to the talent for WNBC. Okay. And literally I was in the page lounge. I ran, I mean, I ran to that girl. Um, God, I can't think of her name. And literally, if you're from New York, you have Chuck Scarborough, Sue Simmons, Al Roker, uh, uh, Pat, uh, Pat Harper, Dawn Fratangelo. Uh, Tony Gaida, big favorite. Oh, wow. So they were, their office was right across from this girl's. And I remember running upstairs because I was in the building and I'm like, I heard you're leaving. I want this job. And she was like, right. So I'm like, no, I, I really you know, want this job. Like that. Yeah. I was you like, know, I want this job. Not, not overly, you know, you don't want to scare people. Right. Which you I probably do. Guy, it's going to be a handful. But right. do you want to be like, I want this and I want to make your life easier. I can do this job and, you know, think about what will work best for them would make their life easier because I can bring this person in. He seems to know what he's doing or she, you know, has these skills or has done it before. And, you know, that's one thing that is off my plate, you know, because it's, 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 it's very competitive. Yeah. And know? they, and this girl, this girl wound up, actually putting the good word in for me. <clears throat> and I think I went and, and met with Tony Gaida, who's, who was big in New York at the time. Oh, and Jack Cafferty. That's right. Jack, yeah. he was there. The end result is I got that job. So I literally would buy, you know, it was really funny because I would buy Sue Simmons, her stockings. I would buy Chuck Scarborough, his lunch. <laughs> um, I would actually, and, and what do you say? Yeah, Sue, Sue wears, she'll kill me for this, but I think it was medium tall uh, uh, strawberry uh, stockings. I used to go to strawberries to get them. But, um, but it was funny. So I used to work and I, and I just did anything I could. And I would, yeah. I would literally, I have to, I remember having to remind Tony Gaida to do the live updates. He would miss them. He'd be in his office, like goofing him, doing something. <laughs> and, and it would be like 10 minutes to five and somebody would run, Tony, Tony, you're on the air. You're, and he kept on missing them. So I remember I built, I literally built, I don't know why I didn't just get an alarm clock, but I built some device that was like an alarm and you switch it on and to remind him to do these updates, which was so wow. random. But um, in any case, that's, yeah, just, 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 you know, being there doing those things. And I, and it was funny because when I left, um, do you remember Blake's downstairs? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, every Wednesday, the Blake's was a restaurant. And all the pages would go to it was free food, right? Yeah. It was free food on Wednesdays. We so all the, pa 
Yeah, we were man. So we would all go to Blake's, we'd have a drink. And when I was when I got a job in local promotion for WNBC, my job was becoming vacant, you know. So I remember having a beat. We were sitting there, whatever, chatting out, and um I was sitting at a table and everyone would come up to me and they'd be like, David, I heard there's a job open. But I was like, short of like changing their diapers, you know, I was doing a lot for the talent. And it was really like it really took a special person to do that. And some girl jobs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of the jobs you come in a lot of, if, you know, if you work on like production as a production assistant where you're fetching things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've either not had the resources or, you know, I moved out here. I didn't have a car or just like, I, I wanted like a regular office job, which is what I've done for the most part, you know, in, in the scheduling world or in programming where, you know, the scripts and, and the, you know, the tapes and stuff come across your desk, you know, that's, it's, it's television, but it's an office job, right? You know, that's not that to do these jobs where you're fetching people, you know, like, you know, go down and get my frozen yogurt. It's just like, what? You know, <laughs> it's like, I didn't have, I had a low tolerance or, you know, low skill set to do some of these, these, you know, fetch jobs that are a big part of it. Um, you know, the office jobs alone were intimidating enough back when, you know, phones would ring. And, and now you go in an office, there's no phones ringing. Right. It's true. There's, everyone has a cell phone. <laughs> but so, so I'm sitting at the ball at this restaurant and, and one of these, one of the pages was like, I hear this job's open. This that, And I literally was turning, I was like, no, no, no. Cause, cause like, I think Chuck had asked me to look for people, you know, the talent wanted me to find my replacement but I knew that it was challenging. So some girl asked me, you know, someone I, she was a page and I didn't really know her very well. And, um, she literally says to me, David, I hear something's open, you know? And I said, no, no. So she says, no, I really want it. Like she was very passionate about it. And I remember I said to her, I said, I said, if literally this is what I said to her, I said, if Sue Simmons asks you to get her stockings, what do you, what do you, she literally said to me, uh, you know, what color, what size? I said, if Chuck Scarborough asks you to get his lunch, what do you say? She's like, do you want ketchup on your hamburger? You know, whatever. So literally, I it was amazing. She had a beer on the table. I literally called Chuck Scarborough up on my phone. I said, Chuck, I'm sending somebody up right now. Wow. She literally left Blake's, went upstairs to Chuck's office, interviewed, she came down to finish her beer and she was hired. Wow. And that, that is I thought sometimes is easier. Sometimes it's easier to help people get jobs than to yeah. get your own, which mm. is why, you know, you have to have relationships and contacts and people mm -hmm. who work across the street at the other places because, you know, you want that person who says, oh, Ken knows television history. Ken will work the hours. Ken knows the right. software with the scheduling stuff. Um, you know, you want to fit in, you want to, you want the transition to be easy for the person that, um, you know, is doing the hiring. You want to get right. in their head because now, I mean, there's just thousands of people. Now there's an awareness about these jobs, right? Where people, and there's too many people, things. there's too many, there's too many people applying for the same job. And for right. someone to say, trust me, Ken is your guy because of these reasons, it's a lot easier than going through a thousand resumes yeah. where everyone's I mean, lying. Or making who, who you know, you know, you know. so yeah, it, it really, and, and I will say this, and I'm going to mention her name. It was Nancy Biskupic. 
Do you remember Nancy? A little, yeah. You know, so, so, yeah different so, classes. So if the, it was the class after I left. She may have been yeah, coming and going. Some people. <clears throat> you used the phone in the 90s in a bar. So this sounds like a little bit after. Uh Oh, actually, wait. So I, uh, oh, no, that's actually a very good point. Yeah, that is a very good point because 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 I'm saying I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, am I crazy? You're ready for this. 30 years ago. Yeah, I had a cell phone from NBC. Wow. So so literally when 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 he when, you know, the iPhones took off, I said to him, I'm like, call me crazy. I go, I literally would have a cell phone given to me from the, and it was funny because I was friendly with the with the phone folks, whatever. But they gave me my own cell phone, and I'm saying like, you know, like wow. everybody has a cell phone. I'm like, I, you know, like I literally had one 30 years ago. So it was and, and, and a beeper. Yeah, it was like a beeper and a cell phone. It was it was weird. But uh, but anyway, she went on to do a better job. I was really really good. But a shout out to Nancy. She killed it. And she would actually hang out, like go out to dinner with Sue and Chuck, like, you know, and then she, and then it was funny. um, Al Roker, who was still doing local at the time, he opened up his own production company and Al hired her to go work in his production company. So she went on to have a way in. She had a a very successful career by, by, you know, going down for those drinks and, and me, you know, hooking up. And like I said, I'm, I'm so proud of her because she did, she did a better job than, than I did. Cause she was that's great. And that you know. that's good for you too, because you also want to refer people who are not going to do a lousy job. You want people who are going to, you know, wow, David found me a really good person. You know, that's, yeah. that's an testament to you too. Yeah, I'm I'm super anal, so I barely recommend anybody. And and in the people yeah. that I've ever recommended, I literally say to them, if I, if I recommend you, you I'm like, over that's going to blunder it. Yeah, or, or I'm like, you need to make that. me look good. If a good worker. Yeah, you, you never want to let you know. Intimidating jobs. It's time. Yeah. It's just like, no, I've I've had job interviews where people are like, yeah, this is a traffic job where you've got to put in all the promos, and you don't really want to do. I need a job. Right. No, I don't. They, they, you go to interviews, they talk you out of things. Yeah. And if you have the mindset of of doing anything, you know what they want. Right. It, you know, the fact is, once you get in the door, um, and again, I could go, I used to, I remember even when I was doing promotion, uh, yeah, promotion, I used to be, I used to wear a suit. I used to, I used to keep people missed, you know, yeah. I'd wear a suit on and off, and people would be like, do you run the place or what do you, yeah. so I would wear a it's suit and a tie. And I would cl- literally, I would clean the office space and I would take these big, you know, those six foot, seven foot buckets of garbage underground to and dump them in the, in the, in the garbage, those big, yeah. um, you know, 40 yard dumpsters. Yeah, yeah. And I was also friends with the cleaning pl- thing the, the, he used to say to me, he goes, David, everyone used to laugh at you because you're like wearing a suit and you're, you're like throwing garbage out. And I'm like, well, somebody's got to do it because I remember when we moved, when I was, wow. in, when I got a job in local promotion, um, yeah, we moved into a new office, but it was like a shithole. And I remember I, I literally cleared away like literally, um, you know, piles and piles of garbage. And I, I literally repainted the wall. I mean, it was insane. I did crazy things, but anyway, so, okay. So I, I will wrap this up. Um, I want to, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, it's so amazing. I get back at you. I, you know, you know, I'm so glad that you're doing this. 
I, I wanted, I want somebody to do this for the WB days too. I mean, you know, there's such an interest, you know, I mean, ours, you know, fortunately we talk about SNL for like an hour there, but there's such an interest in, you know, these businesses and hopefully in the history, you know, it, it's, it's something because time keeps going by and, and the internet's full of erroneous information that right. you know that these stories are 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 out there. I, that's why I love you know the the Carvey and Spade podcast. Right, um, they're killing it. Yeah, I love them. They're doing yeah. it. They they're doing a great job, and it's interesting because again, our take on it is you know a little bit, you know, a little bit off center uh, compared to what they're yeah. doing. But I love listening to their stuff. Yeah. And again, their their stories are just you know. I was funny. I was like you know maybe even because because I was there when Dana Carvey was there with right. uh, David he was Spade. Fantastic. He was one of so, those guys. You open the door or you're waiting. He was like dressed up as George Michael one time outside the eight H doors, and he was doing the impression for us while he was standing there. You know, look how round my butt is. You yeah, want he, my butt, and he was so know. great. All those guys, and it's funny because Mike, deal. yeah, Mike Myers was there. Even yeah. Rob, and it's funny, Rob Schneider, and you mentioned, you yeah, know, I we were at the desk one. I was at the, working at the desk, and Rob Schneider for some reason came up to me and said, he 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 goes, he actually asked me, he said, should I shave my sideburns? Oh, totally random. And and believe it or not, I said yes. He asked the guy who carries Gene Rayburn's pants, and and he and he oh, actually wow. said, but then he asked me, he said, could you get me some razors, some razor blades, which I did. So you know it. Like I said, you know, being there and and interacting with these guys, it was amazing. And you mentioned Conan. Like I remember being at the desk, and you know, Conan would walk by. Yeah. We knew him as a writer. He was just this right. tall, redhead guy walking past the desk. We were like, and and we just knew that his name was weird. You know, yeah. Uh, we had the just... names, you know, at the door at the parties. So like, yeah. um, I had you know these restaurants that we would be at would be Manhattan, you know, places that were open. You know, maybe they would close down at three o'clock in the morning for SNL and people yeah. were out on the streets. So people would try to hustle you to get in. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember somebody saying, oh, yeah, I'm a friend of Dana Carvey. I'm like, well, you know, we're waiting for people to show up and stuff. And, you know, right. maybe, you know, you can get a reference. Well, no, Dana and I, you know, she's great. And we go way back and I'm like, no, that's you, it, Dana Carvey's a man. You're not fooling me here now. Right. You know, it's just, it is you know, true. Cause I remember people just... would, people would show up trying to get in and it's true. Did we have a, I guess we did have a guest list, I guess. Or I think for anyone, if we I was standing there, yeah, we knew, like, I knew if they were famous, obviously I'd let them in. Up. And if there was anyone that was questionable, I guess I would yeah, ask, but it was, it's true. Like, you know, you, you would, they would, they would come to the door and you'd be like, so you had a second to decide, you know, is this person famous or is this person not famous or yeah. or whatever to let him in. Um, well, I remember like there were a couple yeah. of weeks where it's like they we weren't invited to the parties, and then they're like, all right, you guys, the pages can come, but they have to stay at the bar and they pay their own drinks because we right. never, you know, we always paid our own way at those things. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. They would get crowded, so there were times where it's like, you know, no, somebody works the door, but no other pages, and you try to slip them in maybe or something but right yeah and i guess yeah during you know again whatever time i was there i mean i guess you know i was always a nice guy i always you know if they came in i and it was someone who wasn't a jerk i'd, I'd let them in you know um but yeah it was fun those parties you know i remember 
unfortunately, you know, Alec Baldwin, we'd see him a thousand times. Um, you'd have everyone show up to these parties. For his first hosting job. Yeah, I mean, the he first was... first time he hosted. Was, oh, I went really? to a book signing about five, six years ago and said, oh, I was I was at your first SNL. That was a great night. I said, and I was Kenneth the Page. He was looking at me like, wow. Next. <laughs> yeah, he was he was nice. I remember I took I remember I I met a um it was such a actually it was funny. I went to a party I went to a party with Ashford and Simpson and Sue Simmons okay. and a bunch of folks. These are these like famous, you know, I mean very very popular artists. Thing and uh it. I went and and actually it was funny. We, and David Diaz uh who was a local anchor, we went to this big party, I don't know. And I remember going to the bathroom yeah. and when I came back I brought two girls with me and I remember David Diaz said to me, David, he goes, I want to know what you told them to get like, you need to explain to me how, what you told them to like, to like bring them back to this table. Like he was like, and then it turned out I became yeah. friendly, friendly with them. Kerry uh, is one of the girls. And I, now I can't remember the second, but Kerry, I kept in touch with and both of the, and Kerry, I brought them to a couple of shows and I remember she was a big fan of Alec Baldwin, and I remember her taking selfie with him. And or, I oh, nice. well, again, maybe it wasn't a selfie, but I guess back then they had a we had a, at least a camera because yeah. I remember yeah, her taking a picture around. with yeah, like a regular camera yeah. or something. But um, but yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun, and I wonder, you know, if there are any current pages because you know um, I'm sort of reaching out to a bunch of folks, but if there are current pages that are that are hearing this. Um, yeah, it would be curious to know to see the other yeah, be, episodes. Yeah, it'd be curious I to know, know my like, story. I want to hear everybody else. Yeah, like, do they do the pages do that now? Are they are they going yeah. to these parties? Do they hang out with the guests? I don't know. You know, for all we yeah. know, Elizabeth's daughter, who's a page now, you know, maybe when she's done. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we'll wait till they're season finished. four of your podcast. Right, right, right. So, okay, well, good. So we're gonna wrap it up. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, I, got you. God bless you, I can't. It's you know, so wonderful to reunite like this. It yeah, doesn't it's feel amazing. Like it's been much time. Literally, if you said to me, I haven't spoken to you in a in a, in a month. It. it I mean, yeah. it's so that's really. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because literally talking to you now and the first time yeah. really seeing you and talking to you. Yeah. It literally feels like you said to me, we literally finished being a page, a month ago, a couple of months ago nothing has changed and it's been Lots 30 years changed. well a lot has changed yes yeah, yeah but, yeah. but... I mark time now by my children all right well 11 she's 11 11 years wow. ago, was a while ago but wow. yeah we're talking now 30 for 35 least... yeah, 35 years i started yeah and i guess uh right so so i guess you started i started in 89 maybe 85 yeah i remember actually i escorted your group to like get your badges and your oh my god keys I think like so you were summer of eighty nine because wow. there was a long patch where when I started at the end of eighty eight it was me and one other guy and then a couple other people came in the spring that was the thing it was a real waiting game and now I can't imagine it's so tough to get into the program right. um, the vetting of it and the demand for it. And they have, you know, Instagram accounts and stuff. So you can see and people have awareness. So right. it was summer. And yeah, there was a small group of you guys because you had to wait for people to leave. So right. that, people you know, their 18 months were up or they got a new job and, and they left. And, you know, I didn't think I was going to do 18 months and not get a job in the meantime. I wasn't, you know, flying to Burbank 
you know, thinking I was going to stick it out till, you know, the end of month 18 and be, you know, the number one on the list for a couple of weeks. But people Uh, don't know that is that, is that again, the program is only 18 months. So literally they hire you for, and again, I don't even know if this is true anymore, but when we were there, 18 anymore, yeah, it was eight, it was 18. And they said, you could work in the building. You have 18 months to find a permanent job. And what was, it's on you. Yeah. It's on you to do your whole career. What was interesting is that you would, you would, you would, if they asked you to come for an interview, you would go through all these interviews and then you would wait, wait. Then they would say, oh, by the way, you're hired, but Mm -hmm. there are no jobs available. So you'd have to wait until somebody interview. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you pass the interview process and got quote unquote hired, they said, well, we have, yeah, they said we have no jobs available, but if there, if one becomes available we'll call you so you had kind of had to wait till an 18 month person you know left so by the time and i know there's some people that by the time they were hired it took them like a year to get a call saying you know we have a position i only had to wait a couple of months so i was lucky i guess but i don't know i interned at nbc for my last semester of college for three days a week and at the end of it you know my supervisor had been a page and he's like, well, why don't you sign up for the page program? I'm like, I don't want to do tours. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then you see how hard, I mean, back in those days, it was literally getting the New York Times and looking mm-hmm. at the job listings and yeah. walking to employment agencies and taking typing tests. And, oh. Um, and so it's like, all right, I'll, I'll put my name in the hat for the page program. And it was a series of interviews. And then if they accepted you, you had to wait until you know, a couple people left. Right. And then, you know, you and that's why when you got day. the job, you, you know, I took, I mean, I took it very seriously because, yeah, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. If you don't screw it up, um, well, you know, I mean, you, and there were plenty of page, you know, it, it kind of bothered me. There were a couple, there, there were a couple of pages, which I won't name, but they were always goofing off, not yeah. wearing their uniform, you know, doing all the, and I'm like, listen, people are dying to get this job. If you don't you want to... any job, your job yeah. now, my job now, the jobs that we've had over the years. I mean, right. it's... if you don't want it, just just go because there are people that are, you know, like wear the yeah. goddamn uniform. Don't you know? Like, it just I would it be really bothered. You know, in my page uniform, time to go upstairs to seat the Letterman audience. Right. And like, there were guys who were like, "God, he likes doing this." Yeah, and, and it's like, like well, excited about. I'm like, how are you not? Hmm. But and before us, there was a strike. And so yeah. they had a freeze and pages got to be there for two years. Oh. I think like the commissary was open to everybody for free. Oh, um, wow. This was in 88, the, the writer strike. And so there were guys who were there a long time, who were fairly disgruntled. But yeah, and I'm like, there. yeah. It, and, then we got there and then actually CNBC launched. So there were people going over to New Jersey to get jobs. Right, right. Yeah, it, it you know it was a crazy thing. So, um, uh, in any case, I'll you know uh, it looks like my lighting my lighting crew is taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> um, like I said, this was this was a what, what, what um, just like on SNL, we weren't ready to do the show. Yeah, uh, but we had to go live. So yeah. so that's what it was. Yeah. We I have I, you know, I, and I'm working on a bunch of exciting things. So it's been it's been crazy. Yeah, I can't wait but, to see the other episodes and hear from people. And and I hope that some of them. You get more than one page, you know, it may take, you know, a four hour episode, but like three or four pages at the same time. 
talking about what it was like and reuniting. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That would be a blast. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. It's, to get older. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So I'll I will sign off again. God bless you. Thank you so thank much. You so much. And um and I appreciate. But stay tuned for for a second. Um, but uh, I want to you know thank everyone for listening. Uh, and tune in next time uh, when we'll have uh, some more uh, great storytelling uh, from some of the famous NBC pages. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to A Page in History. A Page in History is produced by David Harris Katz Entertainment. For more information on our television shows, syndication, and more, go to dhkatz.com. And to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world-famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.